Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley, and today I am joined by Daniel and Alyssa Gluck. Daniel and Alyssa are longtime members of Bridgeway and are the parents of three children. On this episode, we are going to talk about the blessing and challenge of raising children. We'll talk about the pressures of modern parenting, creating healthy and sustainable family rhythms, managing technology, protecting your marriage, and how we can point our children towards Jesus. All of that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. All right. Well, hello and welcome to season two, episode four of the Engaging Culture podcast. I am Brian Kiley. Uh, Pastor Lance is on vacation this week, but I am very excited to be joined by Daniel and Alyssa Gluck. How are you guys? Doing well. Doing great. Thanks right. for having us. Hey, yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. I just, to get to do an episode without Lance is such a thrill. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I can imagine. To- totally kidding. But uh, I am really excited to have you guys on the show. You've been a part of Bridgeway for, gosh, how long? Longer than Twelve me. Years, I know I that. Think. Yeah, a long time. Like twice as long as me. Yep. So long, long time. You are the two lead members of the Gluck family band, if I understand True. correctly. Yes. What are you, what are what are the instruments of everybody involved? Okay, uh, I play guitar and usually play the lead role along with Alyssa. I play keyboard, and then our oldest son Joshua is a drummer. He is thirteen. Second son, bass, and he plays some ukulele and wow. other things with strings. Wow. And then our baby girl, who's not a baby anymore, <laughs> uh, she's still my baby girl. She plays some keys sometimes, but mostly sings and looks cute. Very good. That is a she's the eye is, candy. That is a vital will. member yep, of any, yeah. any musical collective. <laughs> is yep. that uh, that member? And you guys have led. Worship at VBS here at Bridgeway yep, a whole bunch of times, it. and uh, oh, that's that's just fantastic. So we are going to talk parenting today, a really simple and easy topic, obviously, where no one is struggling at all, and we've all parenting just, is easy. All yeah. just got yeah, it figured out. It. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <Nailed> <laughs> um, before we get into kind of the the meat of what we're going to be talking about, could you maybe between the two of you tell us a little bit of of your story? Kind of, we've already learned how long you've been at Bridgeway. Tell us maybe a little bit more about your kids and kind of work and. Just give us an introduction into the the Gluck family here. Both grew up in Christian families, uh, went to church every Sunday kind of thing. We met in college, fell in love, actually through, uh, oddly enough, leading worship. I was leading worship at her church, and she ended up coming to my college, and we started dating, got married about 18 years ago, and about... 14 years ago, we moved to Sacramento from mm-hmm. Southern California for a job at William Jessup University. I took a job as campus pastor, director of campus ministry, so I've been in college ministry for about 20 years. Love it, and now I serve as a professor there. And along the way, we had three kids, and I'll let my wife add a few yep. things. Okay, and very so good. So I um, graduated with an elementary education degree from APU, and so started teaching uh, for the first five years of marriage, and we were... He was also college and worship pastor at a couple different churches. And then when we moved up here, I taught for a couple more years and then um, decided to stay home with the kids while they were growing up. I taught piano lessons just outside of the home. And then two years ago when they all went to school, I went back to teaching. So I'm now a teacher for um, a homeschool charter called Sutter Peak Charter Academy. Okay, very good. So the fact that you're both educators explains how we were able to get you here at 11 it's in the morning summer. on a Tuesday. <laughs> yes. It is summertime. Are, I, that. are either of you doing much in the summer, or do you get to, get to disconnect and kind of step away for a little bit? We have it pretty good, but I'm <laughs> teaching a couple of, I'm teaching an online class and an evening class here and there and doing some prep and reading and that kind of thing, but we've been having lots of fun. Yes, Awesome. Have. Awesome. Yep. Love it. And then how old are your kids? They are 13. We just got a teenager, which is exciting and scary. Congratulations. 11. I think. Uh, The two Uh, olders are boys, and then our daughter, Chloe, is eight currently. Currently. (laughs) They all just had birthdays, so we're always like, how old are they again? Yeah, Yeah, well, even in the age of my kids, you were asking a minute ago, I always want to say, oh, yeah, well, they're six and four. Well, no, they're not six and four. They're seven. Well, you know, five and six. Anyway. Right, right in birthday season. And Honey, just, how old are all, the kids? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not like there's eight of them. There's two. We should be able to figure that out. So um, we're talking about how to engage culture as parents. And yep. there are, and even in a lot of our dialogue prior to sitting down here, 
we just were going back and forth. There's so many different questions, so many different challenges that, uh, that, that come along with how do we raise kids? Every generation has its challenges and certainly our generation is no different. Um, could you maybe give us some insight into what are some kind of big picture values that the two of you have kind of latched onto to guide your approach to parenting your own children? Yeah, we, um, we've talked about this a lot and it's, it's an ongoing conversation, but one of the things, you know, Jesus called us to love God and to love others. And so kind of those two big pictures, what does that look like in a family setting? Mm -hmm. How do we love the Lord with um, our whole hearts and then teach our kids about who he is and um, loving him? And then what does it mean to love others? How can we be a family on mission who, um, wherever we are, um, wherever God's placed us, that we're a light. And so what does that look like as we engage with our community and our schools and our neighbors and things like that? So those are two that we've talked about. Yeah, I think of um, something Alyssa has really led our family beautifully in is just keeping God's Word at the center of what we do, you know, God's mm-hmm. Word in the morning, um, keeping Him in the conversation, so to speak, and trying not to, you know, have the sacred in the secular or whatever, as people say. You know, we pray when we start driving away on the family vacation, and we pray when we get there to say, God, thank you for keeping us safe. And it might seem silly, but just always acknowledging God for uh, that that he's the one who's leading us and guiding us, I think, is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Now, that's interesting that you say that. I'd like to maybe explore that a little bit more. That's something sure. that, that even my wife and I have talked about, and, and, and she in particular— we talk about, I mean, my kids are younger, uh, as we just said, six and five. You talk about reading the Bible stories. You talk about memorizing scripture and, and all these different things. Yeah. And, and my wife, I think, has done a good job of saying, you know, we need to think through what does it look like to just insert God vocabulary mm. kind of throughout our day, and whether it's thanking God for the weather, thanking God for the opportunities that we have on a particular day, praying as you leave for a vacation, like you said. Uh, what are some ways, maybe that some other ways that you guys have sought to just sort of integrate faith into the everyday to sort of break down that divide that you're talking mm. about? Yeah, I think um, my tendency as a teacher is to have a lot of structure and predictability and, and rhythms and things like that, which can be good and also bad because sometimes the kids are like, Mom, you know, I, I sometimes can get too much into that pattern, but... Um, trying to set that pattern from when they were little, that um, when we're around breakfast, the breakfast table together, we're going to look at a verse that they're learning in kids' way or that we're trying to memorize as a family, we're going to talk about it. Um, Daniel's really good at at those kind of during-the-day conversations. Um, teachable where, moments kind of thing. Yeah, teachable moments that might come up as as they're struggling through whatever. And, I mean, here at the beginning, I just want to say, we are in the trenches with <laughs> you all. So please, from the moment we start to speak, no, even this morning was so humbling as a parent. And yeah. so I just want to tell you, we are with all of you as we're all trying to figure out how do we do this. And we yeah. by no means have an edge on this market. We are just, um, yeah, we're learning. Right. Well, I think there is there is a sense in which, uh, like every parent knows, knows that they are struggling. I mean, no, Definitely. I don't know that. I mean, like you said, hum- parenting just in general is humbling. I mean, you talk about having a, a tough morning. You know, this morning. I mean, this this morning, my you know five year old had a meltdown on the way out the door, and uh, <laughs> and last night I I didn't make it home before basketball practice, and was just going to meet them at at the gym, and you know I get a text from my wife, almost kept one of them. One of them home because he's just completely out of control. So, yeah, uh, yeah, just to sort of echo that, that I think a lot of times you hear teaching about parenting, you hear conversations about parenting, and there can be the presumption that, oh, well, if we just go kind of live looking at their house, it's going to be, I mean, you know, the Cleaver family, (laughs) just everybody getting along perfectly. And and obviously that's not the case. And if anything, what we want to encourage other parents out there with is, is like you said, Alyssa, we're with you. We're in the trenches here. We have, I mean... We could sit here all day and talk about successes and failures, and a lot of times God uses those failures to help us get better at things right. moving forward. Right. But yeah, none of us none of us have this figured out, and I would be very <laughs> suspicious of any parent who said, "Yeah, no, I've like yeah, I've got this locked it. in. I feel like I have no no real questions or challenges at this point." Right? I mean, yeah, that's 
kind of how it goes. One other thing that's cool about her teacher gifts is, you know, we have this little uh, chalkboard, <laughs> you know, one of those picture frames with chalkboard paint, and we have a usually have a memory verse on the board in the morning that we're just going through. Sometimes we make up little songs because we like music in our family. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, and we'll probably get to some of this later, but when it comes to even like disciplinary situations, it's easy for us and natural, like you were saying, to incorporate the conversation in into discipline and into conversations with our kids. You know, brothers are fighting or whatever's happening in the house, and uh, we can easily say without being too cheesy, remember that verse we memorized that said, uh, you know, each of you should consider the other better than yourself and that kind of thing. That's what we're trying to go for in this family. And so how do you think we can do that better and incorporate it into even our disciplinary strategy? So, And then when you do that, they stop fighting immediately. Immediately. Yes. And, just and we, haven't, we haven't dealt with it since then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Except for five minutes yeah. ago when Except we were leaving for, the house. Yeah. yeah. That's have right. you been watching yeah. our video? <laughs> <laughs> I have. I'm a, I'm a subscriber to the, the wow. Gluck Parenting live video. Sorry piece. about that. <laughs> no, um, but, you know, I make the joke about it but sure. i think you talk about those are those are moments where i mean of course it doesn't solve everything in the moment but yep. you're kind of building in them character that eventually yep. is going to manifest in in a true ability to get along and a true ability yeah. to consider another person is more important than than yourself which i mean you know i haven't mastered that by any means but you can as a kid gets older and they're exposed to that again and again yeah. It becomes a little bit more. And it gives you are. more substance, especially in teachable moments, disciplinary situations, than saying, because I said so, or whatever sure. it is that you would tend to do when you're heated and frustrated. But you can bring it back to truth and say, hey, because God said so, yeah. without being cheesy or something. Right. Because God loves us. God wants what's best for us. Yep. And he says, you know, X, Y, and Z. I want to shift gears here for a minute and just talk about, uh, I get the sense that a lot of parents just feel like they're under a lot of pressure. And that there are all these kind of expectations, expectations from from the outside, expectations from within about how mm-hmm. they should function as as parents and all of that. Uh, what insight could maybe Alyssa? We'll start with you and go th- then go to Daniel. What insight can you give us into how we can manage expectations appropriately as parents? Yeah, oh, we need to offer ourselves and other people grace. <laughs> For sure. Um, I feel like there is such. Uh, a high level of expectation, especially even within the church, that um, our kids are going to look a certain way, that we're going to be involved in XYZ activities, they're going to be super well-rounded, and then we get frustrated when we don't live up to these expectations that are not realistic. And um, I think even how we compare ourselves to other people, I was listening to Brian Hopper last week talk about that on the on the podcast. And I thought he did such a good job saying, you know, we say keeping up with the Joneses, but we didn't have to watch the Joneses on their <laughs> social media accounts yeah, and see what sure. they're doing every second and compare ourselves. Oh, we're not taking that kind of vacation. Oh, you know, our kids aren't winning awards at the school assemblies. Um, And so, yeah, I feel like there's just a need for some grace for ourselves to realize that we are going to do the best we can, just like our parents did with us. Mm -hmm. um, And we're going to mess up, but that there's a higher, a higher calling. And it's not just keeping up with the people that are, that we're idolizing on social media. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think comparison is huge. And I would just say, um, you know, I think it's okay to normalize the the fact that parenting young kids is a very stressful season in life. I've had a lot of older, wiser people who've gone through parenting and raised up kids just say, gosh, you need to know that this is a really tough season and I'm <laughs> praying for you and it's chaotic and crazy. And But I just want to say to people listening, you know, if you're parenting kids under 10 right now, it's a stressful season of life. And... I also want to say it will pass. There's different seasons of parenting. You know, the diapers and the can't put on your own pants and the breakdowns every five minutes, that season will pass. In fact, we're just coming into a season of teens, which is a little scary. You know, Mm -hmm. there's hormones and other things going on. But we're coming into a season where family vacations are actually starting to get fun again. They're not just trips with screaming kids and (laughs) chaos and naps that are missed and all this stuff, but it's really fun. We're having adventures together because we've come out of that season of parenting very young kids, which is fun and chaotic and crazy, and we're coming into a season where our kids 
are finding their own groove and uh it's really fun you yeah. know and i'm sure we'll have challenges ahead of us in the teens oh sure yeah i have heard oh just heard one or two people yeah. that, that can be a challenge <laughs> i'm so. sure our kids won't go through yeah. any of that right right right, right. Um, i'm sure christians and <laughs> that's right i i think that I mean, I completely agree with all of what what you guys are saying, and, and definitely the need for for grace is a, a huge component of of parenting. And on some level too, and this might be seem a little counterintuitive, I think there needs to be a measure of confidence that we bring into our parenting, just in the sense of like of of saying, okay, I want to try to do the best that I can to mm. be present with my children, mm-hmm. yeah, and to be the parent who God has called me to be, and I am going to evaluate my parenting mm-hmm. through that lens. And if somebody else parents differently than me, then I'm not going to feel pressure to be like them. Yeah. I'm not going to waste my time either in my mind or, God help us, actually verbalizing criticism of their parenting styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But I'm just not going to let that dictate right. how I feel about my own parent. I mean, I want to be able to, you look at, you know, the kids who get, are getting the awards or the kids who are the stars on the team. First of all, recognize there's a sacrifice that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Like sure. kids are naturally gifted in different ways, but... Awards are not handed out just because there's a sacrifice mm-hmm. behind it. But then also just to be able to celebrate what kids are doing and yeah. to know that the value of your children is not based on their grades. It's not based right. on their performance in theater or sports or whatever. And your value as a family is not based on mm-hmm. that. There are plenty of miserable families out there whose kids just made the honor roll in all league and got the yeah. award for X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of very happy families whose kids aren't up in front of people at the assemblies and didn't get the lead role in the play. And I think that speaks to the importance of values that go beyond this need for kind of public performance mm-hmm. in our parenting, right? I mean, yes. don't get me, like we all love seeing our kids do great. Like that's sure. not, I'm not saying that's bad, yep. but this sense of, oh, we've got to be like everybody else it's almost like we're letting somebody else live our life for us, which, call me crazy, I just don't think that's healthy right. anywhere. <laughs> and we were talking about how that's especially hard, I think, for moms, maybe specifically stay-at-home moms or part-time working moms, because it's hard, especially, I think, for Alyssa, to separate your identity or your effectiveness as a human being from how your kids act in public <laughs> or when right. something breaks down in the, you know, the store or the doctor's office or whatever, not being totally mortified that, oh my gosh, you know, this kid represents who I am or whatever. Um, I think that's a big deal. Right. So I had a while ago, a short season where I was a stay-at-home parent. And then you've had a season being a Mm stay-at-home parent. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about your own wrestling with that, of kind of the (laughs) attachment of identity to to your kid's behavior and performance Mm -hmm. and everything? Because that is a very, very real thing. Yeah. Uh, Talk a little bit about your own processing and maybe struggle or success with managing that. Yeah, um, it was a great season and a really difficult one. Um, I think that, I mean, I thought, you know, I'm a teacher. I love kids. I feel like my some of my wheelhouse is kind of, you know, the K through sixth grade window. Um, and there were some great moments with those little ones. But as they say, you know, the days are, what is it? The days are long. And, Yes. So there's that thing. But when you're in it, you're like, these days are really so much longer. They're like 60 hours long. And then I do the same. It's Groundhog's Day and I do the same thing tomorrow. And um, so and yeah, I mean, at that time, it was super important for me to have community to Mm -hmm. have. There were other moms actually from our mops group at Bridgeway and we Mm -hmm. would hang out outside. And that was a lifeline for me to Mm -hmm. be able to have you know, other conversations with moms and and together. I think there's this cool village mentality that can happen when you don't feel so alone and you can go, I did not sleep at all last night. My kid was up 17 times. And (laughs) what are you doing? You know, what have you done that's helpful and kind of not in a comparison way, but in a let's share ideas and, and do life. And so that was really a lifeline for me. But for sure, I mean, there was this one time we were talking about where, you know, you have the best intentions. So we were like, we're going to serve as a family with our musical gifts or whatever. So we went to this 
you know, retirement center and and brought our boys and they're all dressed up in their cute little outfits for Christmas. And we had practiced away in a manger with the motions, you know, and <laughs> it's going to be this glorious moment. People are going to come to know Jesus because of our kids. And have an altar call. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's going to be phenomenal. Right yeah, <laughs> It's building. What we had never introduced them to was a microphone. And so we put this microphone in a three-year-old's hand with a one-year-old, you know, and so as they stand up there with their big smiles, then one brother starts grabbing it and the other starts <laughs> grabbing it and they get into a huge fight in front of everyone. And I am mortified Which because was hilarious, it was so funny. Oh, that's, oh, I'm sure looking back on it, it's hysterical. I did not think it was yeah, funny. So moment, I'm like scrambling so up there to get it away from them. Like, Daniel, do something, sing a song. And um, it was a disaster. So, and it reflected, it's that thing. Then I go home feeling like, oh, they reflected poorly on me. I must be a terrible parent. And yeah. it, it's so hard to separate their behavior from our identity as as parents. So there were moments that were uh, certainly challenging like that. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And <laughs> and there may not have been microphones involved. There may not have been, you know, in that sort of a setting. But I guess something that I've tried to tell myself, especially when my kids are, are doing what they do in public sometimes, <laughs> is just anybody who's raised kids has yes. had this moment. Absolutely. Yes. And that, to me... I feel like I definitely went through a big stage of like, I want my kids to be great in public yes. and this and that and the other thing. But I feel like what's helped me kind of get to the other side of that is exactly that thought. So whether I'm on an airplane or I'm in the grocery store or I'm in a you know situation where I'm having to discipline my child in public or whatever, I just, I look around and first of all, there's part of me that's like, I'm confident enough in what I'm doing. I'm not saying what I'm doing is right all the time, but I'm confident sure. enough that, that I don't really care that much what anybody else thinks. Right. But then also, everybody here who's ever raised a child has been in this situation, and they're not looking at me in judgment. They're, if anything, empathizing and sympathizing with yep. what's going on. Like, ah, oh, poor guy, you know? <laughs> and uh, and then anyone who hasn't, you know, they can think what they want. I, yeah. You know, whatever. I well, don't and there are people who probably don't have kids yet. You right. know, we all think like, I'm going to be the best parent ever. And then you're a parent yeah. and you and you see the things in the store and you go, that will never happen to my family. And then you yeah, live it. Exactly. And then from that point on, you just have grace. Like, exactly. sorry, mama, I've totally been yep. there. How yep. can I help you? you yeah. exactly. Another thing that I might mention that I think goes with stay-at-home parenting and the whole comparison game and the pressure that we feel and the stress is that we live in the state of California. I don't know if people are listening from outside it's hard to live on a single income in California. Oh yeah, um, especially several urban areas of California. So mm. when you, the, uh, I think we can say with absolute confidence, we have no regrets whatsoever about Alyssa being a stay-at-home mom for a season, and now mm. she's working part time. And no judgment to families where it's the right thing for moms to work or dads to stay home or whatever the combination is. But for us, the choice that we've made mm -hmm. for Alyssa to stay home during that season has also been a choice for kind of financial simplicity. Yeah. We don't, <clears throat> we can't play the comparison game sometimes when it comes to the big houses on the hill and the newer cars and the whatever it is, you know, right. for our kids, um, because we've chosen the simplicity of we want to invest in our kids mm -hmm. in the way that Alyssa stays home and is with them and volunteering at school and doing all this kind of stuff. And so that's another comparison game that it's real easy to play. Yeah. If I if I say I want to invest in my kids and have one spouse stay home, but I also am trying to keep up with the Joneses with all the houses and the pools and the whatever, you know, there's going to be a significant conflict and that's going to add to the stress. Oh, no question. Well, and I think that what's so important about what you just said is that you guys as a family made a decision, you sort of figured out what your values were, yeah. and you made a decision based on those. Yep. A family with different values can make a different decision, and that's okay, right. but you didn't feel pressure to make a decision another family might have made because you said, okay, here's what we're trying to do, here's what we want to do, here's what aligns with, mm -hmm. with yep. our values, and I would imagine that in the moment, because every decision has its drawbacks, right. right? So you stay at home, you have less money. Yep. You know, my wife works and we deal with sort of the challenge of that. And, yep. you know, man, we're just, we, I, like, I still, I feel the tension of, I just, I don't love the fact that my kids are in the care of somebody other than us right. a lot of the time. Like, so there's just, there's tension yep. with all of that. Yep. But when you feel the tension, what you have to be able to go back to is say, well, we made a decision based mm -hmm. on what we wanted to be as a family and okay. Yeah. Like that, that, Hopefully, I, I mean, you know, I found that to be helpful for me a little bit. Is it just sort of turns down the volume yeah. of yep. that 
sense of, oh, I need to conform to someone else's expectation. And right? it pulls you out of the reaction cycle. You know, so many families, including us at different seasons, are reacting to everything that we think we're spo- supposed to do. If you're reacting to culture and then trying to form your values from those reactions, that's backwards, right? Trouble. Start with your values and yeah. then make your decisions based on those values. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's <laughs> critical for a lot of areas of life, not the least <laughs> of which is, yeah. is family yeah. and parenting. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, family rhythms. Mm-hmm. There is, it's been alluded to already on uh, in our conversation today, lots of pressure to be involved in lots of different mm-hmm. things. There's just so many different, I mean, you ask people how how they're doing. They're busy. busy. They're bringing kids to X, Y, and Z things, and all of that. Uh, what have, what are some maybe some guardrails or some values that you guys have put in place to help guide the way that you manage your family schedule? Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel is better at this than me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I tend to look at the world of opportunities, right? So there's so much that our kids can become a part of, and you know, in our family, everybody's pretty musical. And um, so they're definitely doing music. But then also for our boys, I feel like, well, you know, I want them to be well-rounded. So let's get them involved in sports too. And before you know it, you're running five days a week out and and in the taxi mode. Um, And we felt that a lot even just this year as all our kids are in school. It's like we shifted into that next gear. Um, and my tendency is to sign them up because I want them to have all, all these opportunities. And there's this window between, you know, like five and eight where they really can try a lot of new things. And it's still a safe environment for them. It's harder when you're in junior high or high school to be like, I want to try tennis, you know, and everyone's been playing <laughs> right. since they were two. So, yeah. um, so I've, I've struggled with that. And, and Daniel's really, really helped us going back to that values thing which I don't know that we started with this value clearly, but as we've gone through marriage and life, we've kind of, it's, it's formed more and more, but, um, we, he's really good to say, you know, let's not overcommit ourselves. What are really, you know, God gives each of us kids that are different and he's, he's called you as a parent to parent your specific kid and they're going to have different gifts. But, um, so to try to give them opportunities, but not to overschedule your life and how, I don't know, how have you done that? Where does that come from, D? Yeah. A couple of real cra- uh, practical things that we have done semi-successfully. <laughs> <laughs> not last spring though. Um, the caveat of, to everything. We kind of yes. failed so last We haven't spring, totally got yeah. this dialed in. Yeah. 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 Um, we've tried pretty successfully to kind of have a one big activity policy for our kids. Let me explain. You know, in any given season, let's say this coming fall, we try to say, okay, Titus, you can choose one sport or you can choose music lessons or you can choose whatever, and we're going to invest in that thing. And sometimes we've changed those things up to try to embrace the, you know, the diversity she's talking about and trying things out. We've, you know, there's been also seasons she's referring to this last spring, I think, where we've broken our policy, quote unquote, to say, we'd really like Ty to have an opportunity to do, you know, flag football or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we're going to add that on for a short season on top of music lessons or whatever else. Um, But for us, that really helps us maintain family together every night or almost every night, which is a big old school value, I guess. But we feel that it's important Mm -hmm. for our family and our conversation and our culture and our intentionality and just uh, what's, you know, what I've tried to help us avoid is just, I'm not sure, I don't think I'm okay with us being the family that, you know, five, six days a week, mom's running this way, dad's running this way, we give each other a high five or we trade off kids. And, and maybe that works for some families, but for us and our value system, that, uh, that feels a little frantic. And so we've chosen uh, a different path. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's really smart. There is just... I don't even know what what the right words to put to it are, but there is this just crazy uh, tension. And I think this comes from expectations from the outside to have your kids involved in a thousand different things. And it is is easy to see the cost of not doing that. Well, every other kid is playing Mm -hmm. this sport and mine isn't. Mm -hmm. Every other kid knows a musical instrument and mine doesn't. Every other kid, fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. and mine doesn't. The cost of over-involvement, though, is a little bit more hidden. I mean, yeah. we had Anthony Seiler on the, the podcast a little while ago. He's a longtime Bridgeway guy, good good cool. friend good friend of mine. And even he was saying how, 
oh, if my kids have soccer practice every night of the week, then I can't ever have people over for dinner. Mm -hmm. And here I am going into, I'm going to have two kids in soccer and I am yep. praying that their practices are on Come the same on. night of the week, yeah. you know, but you don't know, and, but yeah. I don't yeah. know, right. but I don't know. And, and am I, and I, and I just think, man, I, gosh, to go through a whole season where four nights a week, yeah. We're doing soccer and like right. I coach both teams. So right. I'm not like, like I'm involved. I am <laughs> yeah. pro that. It's yeah. a big way I serve the community yeah. in a way where I'm just some kid's dad. I'm not Pastor right. Brian, you sure. know. Uh, so I love it and I see the value in it. Yeah. But I mean, man, you add to that karate and music and everything yeah. else. And all of a sudden it is. It's we're all going a hundred different ways all at once. And I think that getting back to the values conversation we just need to give ourselves permission as parents to say, okay, if I'm in a conversation with a bunch of other moms and they're all talking about, or dads, and they're talking about, oh, my kid is doing X, Y, and Z, and mm -hmm. what about yours? Like, we can celebrate what they're doing. Yeah. We're yeah. not judging that, but to say, oh, yeah, no, well, we're just doing this this season. Yeah. We have, I love your, your one big thing mm -hmm. a season policy. I've heard that before, mm -hmm. and I think there's yeah. a lot of wisdom to it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, they can judge us for that. That's fine. Like, we don't make That's, our decisions based on. Yep. Yeah. And our kids, pressure. even before this conversation, I was asking them a few things to be like, what, you know, what goes well? What do you, what do you like about our family? And actually my oldest um, said, Hey, I really like that. We have some downtime to be creative. Mm, and, cool. and that is a value. I feel like kids, um, you know, as an educator, I see that as a danger right now that our culture is over scheduling them. And so they don't know what to do if they have open time, they sort of freak out. And it's, we're losing that window of beauty where there's imagination and there's play and there's, I'm bored. And therefore it's going to lead me to, I get to go outside and grab sticks and rocks and create something. Now, right. even camping was such a beautiful thing for us. None of us <laughs> had screens and yeah. the kids built a swing out of, a, you know, a piece of wood that they found. And, and I just thought, yeah, we, I want to be careful not to overschedule them so that they lose this piece of childhood and development that's really important. Oh, yeah. Let me jab in one little college professor thing that I like to teach. I would expect and, nothing less. And it goes with, uh, <laughs> but it goes with this whole uh, comparison game or whatever, which is, and I love it. I, I teach as many people it as I can. Yeah. Whenever you say no to something... Flag football, swim meet, Boy Scouts, blah, 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 blah. Think about what you're saying yes to. Yeah. When we say no to something, think about what you're saying yes to. So when we choose, you know, maybe not to have our kids involved in every single all-star activity or whatever, we're saying yes to having open time at home where they can sit down and draw for two hours or go in the backyard and make a fort or yep. whatever make-believe game they're going to play. Yep. And we value that highly as a family. Yep. So. Oh, that's great. Yep. That's so good. Now, uh, on that note, yeah, we, it's one thing to talk about our kids' activities. Mm -hmm. uh, what about our activities as grown-ups, so to speak? Uh, yes. Namely, work. Uh, yeah. Certainly, hobbies and other other interests and volunteering and ministry and demands play a part of it. But uh, I know for a lot of families, and certainly this is the case, uh, it's a tension that I try to manage in my own life, yep. is just managing the demands of work and doing everything involved in having jobs that make a difference and that uh, jobs that make a difference tend to sort of take something from you. They're mm -hmm. difficult. Yeah. They're, they're challenging in some yep. different ways. Uh, what has it been like for, for you guys mm -hmm. to manage that? And maybe, Daniel, we'll start with you since you've been working you know, full-time, but then even, sure. you know, Alyssa, with you working part-time, I, I, zero doubt in my mind, there's tension there as well. Yep. How do you go about managing um, kind of doing your job and doing that well while at the same time investing in your family? Yeah, good, good question. Um, I think as an overarching value or principle, we've tried to have kind of a work hard, play hard mentality. So there's mm -hmm. been seasons in our life. I was a campus pastor for 11 years, and it was a very full job. There was always events. There was always extracurricular things. There was evening things. There was weekend retreats. There was mission trips. So that that had the potential for sure and did sometimes put a significant strain on our family. Throughout that, we always mostly, and Alyssa, you can correct me if this is not true, um, you know, for the most part, I tried to turn off my cell phone when I got home or when it was family time or when it was the weekend. I think I did pretty well usually of saying, you know, when I'm getting hit up all over the weekend for whatever important job I'm doing, 
um, saying, hey, let me follow up with you Monday if I had to send the text back out or just ignoring it or whatever it is, trying to be fully present. Alyssa Mm -hmm. has really helped me with the whole presence thing. And I think that's a particularly hard thing for dudes um, is, you know, we have all these things going in our mind. We have these important jobs. Maybe we come home even a little spent from our important jobs and now we got to fully engage in our family, but we really just feel like turning on Netflix and getting a cold drink and sitting on the couch. Yep. Um, that is hard for me, really, as a father, but uh, that's a big deal. There's been seasons where I was in graduate school and a campus pastor <laughs> and a father, <laughs> and that was insane. I mean, my family really hard. suffered because of that during that season, about a five-year season. Um, but still, during that time, we tried to say, this... This two-week period over Christmas or this two-week period in summer, we're off the grid. We're going to turn off the other parts of life, and we're going to engage fully in our family and remove ourselves and go you know, on a vacation or whatever it is if mm-hmm. we need to do that in order to get off the grid. And um, yeah, what else would you add? Yeah, I think, I mean, you got really good at compartmentalizing um, and trying to... Yeah, even during PhD days, I remember he would come home from, you know, pastoring people all day, come home, we try to eat dinner, and then he would, you know, try to connect with the kids, we try to play a family game, put the kids down, and then he's studying till one in the morning, and then getting up and doing that again, and he did that for a long time. It was really hard. I mean, the lifeline A was, we were in counseling, (laughs) like, let's not lie. (laughs) Big fans of counseling. Big fans, big fans. And um, B, I think he got really good at compartmentalizing, going, okay, for that hour and a half that I'm here, I'm going to try to be as present as I, you know, can. Um, and it, it was difficult. And for me, um, I love to be involved in lots of things. I think yeah. I alluded to that before. And so um, it, it's constantly, I have to take it kind of a semester at a time and go, God, what are you calling to me to this semester? Because I tend to put my whole self into everything that I'm involved in. And then I have burnout. And, you know, even last year, I experienced this thing where I'm pouring into my students so much when my kids get home and ask me for help with their homework. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't have time for this. You know, and I'm trying think, to get away oh, from my day job here, kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's backwards. Right. I've I've yeah, I've put funny. the cart before the horse. And um, so learning how to I, I think it's important as um, if you're in the, the primary child caretaker role to also have outlets that fill you up. And and Daniel was really good. I went to seminary for mm-hmm. those 10 years that I was home. You know, a night a week I was out and I was doing homework and it was a lifeline for me to have that, you know, just adult conversations and God challenging me to new ideas um, that really helped pour into me so I could continue to pour out. um, And in the same way, she would send me out with the guys or out on a hiking weekend or whatever when she knew that I needed to be restored in my introversion uh, self and whatever fills me up. And we both came. The cool part is. When in the seasons that we've done that well, you know, sending her out to get refreshed, sending me out to get refreshed, we both come back better husbands and wives because of it, and we both benefit from it. I think that's an important thing to recognize in in marriage, and I've certainly seen it in in my own marriage, is that when... Uh, when my wife wants to, you know, every once in a while on a Thursday, she and her colleagues will, you know, go out to BJ's or whatever. Yeah. And I just, I know that is, that is important time yep. for her. I think I tend to be a little more extroverted than, than she is. So I, I like seeing the value in that is not hard for me yeah. at all. So I'm like, yeah, sure. Great. Go do it. Well, uh, you know, we'll be fine here. Uh, you realize that, yeah, like you said, that those times do make you, make you better mm-hmm. when you're home. Yeah. Maybe you're physically present a little bit less, but that time Mm-hmm. Is but you be a come lot back more present. Quality. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then if I, I just want to give my own kind of comments on the, the work thing a yeah. little bit. And certainly, sure. if my wife were here, she would. I think she would have some, you know, perhaps some justified complaints sure. a little <laughs> bit. And I think it is so hard because we're so connected, and work yeah. does not stay at work. I mean, my this little laptop sitting in front of me, like yeah. this is, if I have this and I have my phone, like so many other people. Work is here, yeah. yeah. And I can get it out and put it on the kitchen counter and whatever the whatever the case may be. But I, I, I'm going to give sort of a, a dumb analogy. Is that one boundary I've made for myself is that I never want to be not present with my family because of a sporting event. Because hmm. I mean, I, I love sports. Right. Because we have a DVR. 
I can record it. And as I like to say, there's always a game. There's always yeah. something. Yeah. Oh, the big championship of X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. is always happening, and there'll be another one next week. Yeah. So yep. I need to not be like, I cannot be bothered because of this. Now, my kids like it. We watch stuff together. Right. We have a good time. And I'm not saying that stuff's bad. Yeah. In the same way, there's always something else at work. Mm-hmm. There's always another thing. Yep. There's always more stuff you could do to get a little bit ahead. There's always another email. There's always another crisis. There's always another phone call. I mean, I, there's just not a night of my life where I, di- where I don't go to bed and there's like, man, if I wanted to do work right now, I don't know what I yeah. would do. There's right. always something. <laughs> yep. So to be able to say, okay, I'm going to say no to things in the evening because I need to be home with my kids. I'm going to say no to these other things. Whatever you get, and this is sort of a line I've repeated to myself, whatever you get by working your 70 or 80 hours a week, like you can have it. I'm not interested. <laughs> you know, and I've got family members that that's their life. And it's yeah. like, okay, yeah. you you choose and do whatever. But what again, whatever you're getting by these crazy hours, by saying yes to everything, to putting the family on the back burner and all of that, like I don't, not interested. And, not and I think that yeah. kids – Kids are healthier when parents make that choice. Yeah, I, think. I would agree. So yeah. that's it. And I mean, on the flip side, I think there's times I can have the expectation that we have to be fully present every moment we're in the house, playing a family right. game, and moments will be wonderful. You know. Yeah. And I think I can go to that too extreme of that expectation. I think it's important for our kids to see that we need to work too, and oh, so definitely. because they're going to experience that same tension. Um, and so even, you know, preparing for speaking or something, I'll, you know, I'll say, guys, I have I need this next hour yep. and you need to go do something and I need to prep. Yeah. And so I think it's important for them to see that um, it, it's a hard t- tension. The uh-huh. presence, the physical presence when we have all these screens yeah. and things, um, it's it's tricky. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, technology addiction, even, I mean, that is, that is as big of an issue with parents, yes. if not more than it is with our yeah. kids. Right. We all see it in our kids and get all mad and then text each other to talk about yeah. it. You know? like, <laughs> can you believe this? From They're always on their the devices. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that, that's yeah. just, yeah, I mean, that's that, it is, it's a, it's a constant challenge, but I like what you said about, I mean, kids need to see us work too. And I certainly on days where I maybe need to pick up the kids early or whatever that, yeah, we'll go home and I'll say, all right guys, it's, you know, three 30 and I need to work until five and right. I need you to find something to do. And yep. da, 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 da. And if you're bored, Figure it out. Yeah, Yeah. be creative. Uh, Exactly. And I had another thought that was in my head on this subject, but it just completely went away. It was going to be so good, but it's gone now. Oh, well. So, um, next thing family. uh, Oh, here it is. I'm going to say it. Got it. Good. Is I think also just this idea that, like, what qualifies as family time and what is together time? Like, I don't think that always has to be like we're all home in our house, shades drawn, nobody else around, and it's just us. Right. That family time, is there a place for that? Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. everyone around playing a game, everyone home, no yep. devices, no one else around, 100% supportive of that. But even, I think also, I, I try to do this, is just integrating our kids in what we're doing. Yeah. Yep. You know? Like, my kids already hate going to Lowe's, just like I hated going to Lumberjack <laughs> with my dad when I was a kid. Yeah. But the idea of like inviting hey, them in. Yeah, yeah. We're working in the backyard this weekend, yep. and I need you to come with me to pick up some, you know, whatever. And once we're there, we have a good time, and they yep. see stuff that's weird. Drive the lawnmower it. tractors. Yeah, exactly. And, yep. uh, but just this idea of like, okay, I can, I can invest in yep. my kids in the midst of doing other, even bringing them here sometimes. Yep. It's like, all right, well, hey, we got to go to this, 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 and this, and hey, you can come sit with me and whatever. And I don't know. I like that we're, they're able to see us doing different yep. things and yeah. kind of learn from us in that way. Absolutely. Some value. So, okay, now That's we're going to switch to a new thing. Cool. Um, kind of the home as a, as a place of discipleship, mm-hmm. uh, specifically in terms of instructing our kids in faith, helping them understand who God is, helping them understand the gospel. That obviously is, is critical. And I think that, uh, a lot of parents feel really ill-equipped for that task. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, personally, even. I mean, I'm a pastor. I do this right. for a living. But I, mean, I didn't grow up in a home where faith was significant. So, like, mm. how do you how do you help day-to-day, like, mm. help a kid come to know and love Jesus? Like, I've just never seen that modeled. Right. So I'm figuring it out. Yeah. And, again, I think a lot of parents are in that space. Could you share a little bit about what that's looked like? I mean, we've talked a little bit, but maybe a little more about what that looks like in your home in terms of kind of cultivating uh, that love for God and understanding of who he is in your kids. There's that passage in Deuteronomy um, that I love that um, 
it's from De- Deuteronomy 6 that says, you know, these commandments I give to you are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, <laughs> tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It makes me laugh because it's just like at all times. Okay, yeah. everywhere you are, <laughs> just make it a part of your normal conversation. Um, and it's easy to sort of, you know, compartmentalize that, especially, you know, our kids are involved in public schools and it it feels sometimes like they're in this world and then they come home to this world and there's church. And, um, but the hope is that there'd be integration, you know, that we could be, that we could share with them, you know, after church on Sunday, uh, you know, what'd you guys talk about in kids way? And then, Hey, you know, can we tell you something that we learned or something? So there's this, this posture that we're all learning, Mm -hmm. um, that God is, is teaching all of us and just trying to make it normal. Um, yeah. I was just yeah. say. Yeah, yeah and back to your point about inviting your kids into normal life, I think that there's something there about discipleship. I yeah. think that there's a lot to do about discipleship there. Um, even when you're going to Lowe's with your son and engaging in life, you might not be talking about verses about building a good foundation. <laughs> or whatever. You know, that'd right. be a little cheesy, maybe. It's but like, Dad, it's mulch. So, uh, <laughs> stop. Let it be. Scripture. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, inviting kids into those things and talking about hard work along the way or talking about worshiping God. You know, we have this tradition now. In fact, this weekend, I'm taking my boys up on the mountain because I love to experience God in nature, and I want to invite them into that. So every summer for the past five, six years, we've gone on a boys' backpacking trip together um, just to try to intentionally invest in my boys. Are we quoting scripture as we walk down the path (laughs) and, you know, giving each other high fives in Jesus' name? Not always, But we are talking naturally and intentionally about the creation that God has made and experiencing him there. And my one other um, strategy that I hope works, and I'm not sure if it will. (laughs) Time will tell. Right, right. We'll come back in 10 years. And uh... (laughs) Part of this deal is that, you know, I know my kids are going to be teenagers someday, and they might not like me anymore, but I hope that they'll still look forward to going backpacking with Dad because they love experiencing God in nature. I hope they like experiencing it with me, too. But I'm trying, you know, we've done a lot of things or we've tried to do a lot of things to create these kinds of traditions of togetherness, experiencing God, worshiping together. That works for us because we're a musical family. That may not work for everybody, but to experience the Holy Spirit together, even if our kids don't understand it, you know, talking about it and doing it together and feeling that sense of camaraderie as musicians and the sense of the Spirit moving among us as we lead and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, inviting inviting them into uh, these kinds of venues for worship. Yeah. And one cool. one other thing is um, just memorizing scripture. It feels almost like an old school thing, right? Like we we encourage it in kids' way and mm-hmm. they're trying to memorize verses and oftentimes they have no idea what it sure. means, which I think we can do a better job of, you know, yeah. as teachers kind of going, hey, let's break this down a little bit. Yeah. But uh, just a quick story. We... Uh-huh. Um, a couple of our kids, um, maybe the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but apparently <laughs> we have some issues in our family with fear and anxiety and things that both of us, us as grownups have struggled with, and we're seeing it in our kids. And so one year, um, because the only thing I know in such a gray world with culture to be true is scripture that we can hang our hat on. This is true. And so one year um, I got seeds family worship, by the way, is a fantastic resource. Highly recommend. Yeah. um, It's all scripture verses, but it's not like super cheesy children's music. (laughs) So like you can, you can almost handle it when you're driving down the road um, and you're singing it at work. That's like the top shelf. really. Yeah. I mean, really like a halfway endorsement. You can almost handle this. This is so close to You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, like you're not singing Twinkle Twinkle it's Little Star. Right. It's really, yeah, really yeah, good. It's good. So we bought the um, Seeds of Courage CD, and it was, I think, 15 songs of scripture about being Direct fearful. scripture, That's like cool. So word for do word. not fear. I am with you. So we're listening to this and memorizing it. I'm needing it as much as they are. Sure. We're talking about it. Um, fast forward four months, we have our house fire, and our children are experiencing fear. Fear, loss, destruction, living wow. in a hotel, losing all of their their valuables. Mm-hmm. And the only thing, we didn't even have our Bibles. They were in the, the house fire. What do we have? 
we have these songs that we've been memorizing. Mm. And so I'm singing over them at night in their mm-hmm. hotel room. Do not fear because I am with you. Do not be wow. afraid. And I mean, that was such a clear picture to me of like what we're pouring into them in these verses they're memorizing now, they will not go empty or void later. Yeah. This is yeah. going to be what they can hold on to. Man, that is beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Well, and I think that that can be, that's an inc- an encouragement to, especially families with young kids mm-hmm. who, as you're seeking to engage your kids in the things of God, as you're seeking to sing songs at home, as you're seeking mm-hmm. to teach them scripture and all that, and for anybody out there, if your family's anything like mine, it's just like, okay, you're trying to do some sort of tangible investment in, in your kids' spiritual lives, and it's right. just... You know, there's nose picking and fighting yes. and slapping, yes. and you know, this kid that was yes. a ball of energy four seconds ago is now complaining he's tired. Totally. And all of the, you know, all of yes. this other, all this other Your stuff. Your grand visions I mean, of yeah, yeah. It I mean, happen. even in, like in yeah. our house, we none of us are musical, but we do sing before bed, and the kids yeah. get to, yeah. each get to pick a song, and they we sing a song, and then we pray, and you know, whatever. And yep. it's just unbelievable to me how you know sometimes it's all good, it's fine. We pick songs, right. we sing, we have a nice time, and then other times it's like we've never done this before. Yes. <laughs> yes. So all that to say, if if you're out there, just just know it's not going to be like wow, no. this is a beautiful Holy Spirit moment every time, but. What what I take with me is knowing that those little deposits, yeah, yep, they over come back. time, yep. they come back. And mm-hmm. that story you just shared is such a such a beautiful example of that. Mm-hmm. To say, okay, we're not in a moment of crisis, and now we're like, well, kids, it says in the Bible, da 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 da. Right. da yep. Here's the first time you're ever hearing this. It's remember the songs, yeah, yeah. Remember these conversations, yeah. Remember our time out backpacking. We talked about, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's just. I try to think about that in the moments of discouragement as a parent. Yes. Like, we're kind of we're playing yeah. the long game here, yes. and we're building in these things for, sure. for for later. And you plant those little seeds along the way, not to make a cheesy joke about the seed worship, but you plant <laughs> the seeds, and they come to fruition right. in God's oh. time, and they bear fruit, and they s- sprout sometimes when you don't expect it, and sometimes right. early, it feels you know? yeah, or yeah. If it feels like it falls flat. We've had plenty yep. of Advent. <laughs> times where I've busted, I've written a whole curriculum and we sit down Grandiose. and they are, yeah, be perfect. they're yep. in a fight. They yep. don't even know what I'm saying. And Daniel's like, cut it off, yep. cut done. it off. <laughs> We're over. done. There's Let no good happening it. here. Don't force it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. And obviously as parents, I think there needs to be some freedom to do that. Well, I think, I think yeah. I've, and I've even seen it sometimes there is this pressure we put on ourselves of like, I need to mm-hmm. have this moment with my kid right now. And like, mm-hmm. you know what? Sometimes it's just not happening. Yeah, yep. let it and like, go. And that's okay. Just let it go. You're not a bad parent. Right. But then other times just it just kids. falls in your lap and all of a sudden there's this teachable moment where yep. you can stop on the side of the road and have this God thing that you right. didn't see coming. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. just kind of the awareness of like, okay, maybe God Being is in sensitive. this moment is, yep. is big. Okay. We're almost out of time, but I have two more topics I want to hit yeah. on. And I mean, we could have gone another half an hour on that topic, I think. <laughs> sure. But uh, the, the first is technology. Yes. Mm. We've alluded to it a little bit. But uh, I love technology. I think there are Me too. amazing opportunities with technology, but there are incredible challenges, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, challenges, I said a minute ago, us as parents, our own addiction to our devices, and then kids, teaching them to manage technology properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that look like in your home? Maybe, Danny, why don't you start? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting the nod from my wife. <laughs> uh, just a couple practical things that we've implemented that are sort of working for us or hopefully true to our values. Our 13-year-old got a cell phone when he was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. We were 11. very... 11? He was 11. Thank you. <laughs> sixth grade. He was going off yeah, to sixth grade. He was yeah. going into middle school. Yep. You know, We're starting to drop him off at the corner, that kind of thing. We sure. felt like maybe it's a juncture where he's ready. He's wired in a very, you know, all kids are different. He's wired in a very responsibility sort of way. He has actually, uh, we think, managed his cell phone very well. It Mm -hmm. hasn't been a stumbling block for him, that kind of thing. Our now 11-year-old does not have a cell phone like his brother because we're not sure that he's ready to uh, use that wisely. Um, We'll have to have that conversation soon. (laughs) Yeah, dang it. Darn. Um, Yeah, so, you know, even that whole thing, you know, when you put a cell phone in your teenager's hand, your young person's hand, you're opening up a whole new world to them. However, we have very specific boundaries with that cell phone. It always goes in our room at nighttime on the charging station, not 
our kids' room. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we've taken it away at different times for disciplinary types of things, losing privileges. We also try to have, uh, at least especially in the summer when we're not on school and on the weekends, um, a one-hour-a-day sort of gaming screen policy. So mm-hmm. um, that's right, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the kids will get on their Kindles and play games or they have an Xbox now and that kind of thing. Um, we try to pretty closely monitor that screen time. There's times for, you know, you're at Nana and Papa's house and Papa has an iPad and we're playing games. There's times where we fudge that policy or we're in the car on a long trip or whatever we adjust. But we try, again, we try to say everything in moderation um, kind of thing. And maybe that's too legalistic for some families, but that's how we roll. We don't watch a lot of TV as a family. Um, Yeah, and technology often is the first thing that might be paired back when we need to restrict access to something for disciplinary right. types of things in our family because kids love technology and that is good leverage for us. <laughs> oh, no question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, And trying to have like the computers out in an open space. I mean, the reality is I think one of the surprises, one of your questions on here was, you know, what's something that has surprised you? I cannot believe how early we've had to talk about pornography and yeah. how early, yep. I mean, it breaks my heart. Yeah. You're, you're an eight-year-old, you're a seven-year-old kid and you're, and we've had to have those conversations and sitting yeah. with a laptop in our kitchen, you know, with the special filters that we've set up mm-hmm. um, and something has come up, you know, he, he likes to draw cars and there's a picture yeah. of, you know, and what do you gotta do? <laughs> yeah. Google so, images. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. So uh, it's heartbreaking, but at the same point, I think Daniel's really helped me go. We just have to talk about this. Like, yeah. let's yep. let's try to be the first to talk about this before they're going to hear it at school. Before they're going to, and it it feels too early. I mean, yeah. as a an educator, I'm thinking like developmentally, are they even able to process <laughs> what this means? Yeah. But at the same time, we'd rather try to expose them to things you know, ahead of time and, and give them some outs. Hey, if you see something that's inappropriate on there, here's your strategy. You close it, you tell somebody um, so that there's not the hidden darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, but with our boys, especially boy, I feel hyper vigilant to, yeah. to monitor what they're seeing, but I know I can't control everything there. It's a matter of when, Yeah, and that's really hard, <laughs> really hard. Really yeah. hard. I yeah. mean, just that that unprecedented level of access yep. creates. Yeah. And it is a new thing for right. these generations because right. we didn't have, you and I didn't have the right. access when we were young men, you right. know, in the same way when it comes to internet and phones yes. and tablets. We had the same junk in our hearts, but sure. it was just yep. you had to work harder yeah, to, yeah. to, to you get know, there. You had enough. Yep. Anyway, and now yeah. just with, with kids, it's it's right there in front of them. Like you said, looking for a picture of cars to, to draw. And it's like, right. yeah, good grief, yeah. you know? So, Why is this on anyway. Google Images? Yeah. yeah. But I think what you're saying is so smart about, okay, we can't pretend that this stuff doesn't exist. Oh. And I think there's such value. I mean, you know, my kids are young, but I know we're, we're getting there, yeah. yep. right? There's such value in saying our family is going to be a place where we talk about this stuff with our kids right. yeah. and where they don't think, oh, I can't let mom and dad know about this or mm-hmm. all of a sudden it becomes this hidden secretive thing. But right. no, actually, yep. to create that level of openness Right. Which is a challenge in and of itself because yes. it, I'm sure, is forcing you into conversations that yeah. you'd rather not have. Are awkward, but, <laughs> but you have to act of, like they're not. Yeah, a ton of value. But in we've that. defaulted most of the time to you know, yeah, we want to be concerned for their you know their level of understanding and what they can handle developmentally. But the bottom line for me is I would rather have that conversation with my son or my daughter in a safe environment and hopefully age-appropriate language than them learning it from their, you know, 12-year-old buddy at middle school or whatever, and who knows what that guy's going to say or girl. Um, I want to try to have that in a safe environment and keep Mm -hmm. that conversation open. Oh, man. I think there's so much wisdom. So much wisdom. A couple real practical things for families um, that we're trying to implement. And again, in my opinion, and and I think we're kind of resonating with this. It's not a matter of if your kids will be exposed to the world through media, online, or whatever. It's a matter of when. Yeah. How will how will you model to them or teach them to respond when? Right. Right. And, of course, you're going to try to protect them from things as much as humanly possible. Um, but we use a thing on our Wi-Fi router called OpenDNS that filters out a lot of stuff for any device that's 
onto our Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking into even other uh, tools. There's a great one called Covenant Eyes yeah. um, that has all these different types of filters and ways that you can get reports for what are what's being viewed on you know your different devices and things sure. like that. So as we you know this is a an open experiment for us because we're going into teenage years and young boys who are adolescents and it will be. Uh, an ongoing conversation and likely a difficult one. Oh, no question. Well, I think it's important for parents to recognize that uh, there are resources out there. Absolutely. You know, that, yep. that you you are not completely yeah. at the mercy of of all of this stuff. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff you're describing mm-hmm. is is really a necessity for helping our kids engage with the online world and all that in, a, in, a, in a healthy manner. All right, last thing, and I hate to say that because there's about eight other topics I want to <laughs> talk to you guys about, but last thing the uh, let's talk about the marriage relationship in parenting just mm-hmm. for for a couple of minutes and then we'll we'll wrap parenting you may have heard makes <laughs> marriage more difficult i don't I, know this is like late breaking news right here <laughs> no and, Mind and blown. certainly i've seen a lot of young families especially struggle mm-hmm. with how do we maintain some semblance of an actual marriage yeah. in the midst of Huge. these children grabbing at us all the time and mm-hmm. and all of that um Maybe we'll start with you, Alyssa, and then Daniel. How have you guys managed that in terms of protecting your marriage and, and yeah. creating that kind of stability in your home uh, in the midst of the the demands? It's so hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I think from the beginning, we had the gift of having um, Daniel's parents lived close by. And so they, we've told them millions of times, but that, that really was like a saving grace because weekly they would come over and watch our kids. And one night a week, we would go out um, for a date. Thanks, mom and dad. We I love, love you. you. <laughs> and um, we miss you now that you're in Tennessee. Um, and so that really was a lifeline. I mean, in the days that he was doing PhD work and all of that, that would be the only time we would talk, you know, like, and Honestly, it was really, really important. It, it may have saved our marriage yeah. through yeah. some of those years. Yeah. yeah. And Seriously. now that they're not here, that's harder. So we're, we're mm-hmm. trying to be more creative, but there's something about getting out of your house um, and being together and remembering that you like each other yeah. um, <laughs> because, you know, that's, it's tricky. And also one other thing, one season, uh, I was I was bu- building up some resentment about how much he was, you know, in campus pastor world, just being there so much. And I was feeling like, oh, how come, you know, whatever, how come he can't be here? And um, God really challenged me, hey, go where he is. Like, yeah. take the kids and go be a part of what he's doing. And so for us, that looked like showing up to chapel, you know, um, trying to find opportunities that would be appropriate for us to understand the world that he's in so mm-hmm. that it's less of a daddy goes off and saves the world and more yeah. of a, we as a family have this. That's and cool. so that that helped a little bit just mm-hmm. in my own mindset. Yeah. 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 How about you? And pretty consistently, we've, uh, again, with the benefit of parents in town for that season, we've tried to get away physically uh, overnight, you know, for at least once a year for our anniversary, twice mm-hmm. a year if possible. We still have the opportunity to do that with uh, parents within arm's length. But even for those of you out there who don't have family in town, which, you know, sometimes is a blessing in some ways and not, you know, we all have our different styles. But we've even done this now that our parents have moved uh, a little further away. You know, uh, set up a little thing with your close family friends and say, hey, let's trade kids on Wednesday nights and twice a month you'll get a chance to go out for a date night. We'll drop our kids off with you guys if you find a family that jives and kids play well together and then we'll switch next week and we've done that a little bit and mm. or, or even for a weekend or an overnight or something and that can be a lifeline. I mean yeah. we have so many friends it, it surprises me. We have so many friends who have never been away from their kids, you know, yeah. for 5, 10 years and I'm thinking of course you're frustrated in marriage <laughs> or how do you live, you know? <laughs> like you need some time to separate a little bit and just Get your bearings and uh, get rest, you know. Yeah, no, that's so. that's huge. And figuring out, and it kind of as you've alluded to, every family that's going to be different. We have yeah. different arrangements yep. in terms right. of if we have parents around right. or friends or whatever, but figuring out what does it look like for you to have some time with your spouse just yep. to just to talk. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Like we used to do the weekly date night thing, and my wife and I aren't as good about that anymore. Sure. But yeah, we do once a year ish go away for some time. And we've had times where we've gone away for four or five nights. Uh, or even we had our 10 year anniversary. We were gone for eight nights. I mean, we hardly recognized our kids. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, that's the thing, even with like FaceTime and everything, we're still talking to them every day. Right. But, um, 
And then, you know, we'll go out every once in a while, whether it's to a play or right. to a basketball game or whatever. Um, but, and or even if all we can do is just, you know, last night we sat in the backyard on our swing yes. for half an hour. Yes. And exactly. Hope the kids weren't screaming inside. Yeah, <laughs> close the door. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be fine. So um, anyway, I, I love what you're yeah. saying about just kind of the practical ways that you seek to uh, just be present with one another. Because it's, I don't know who said it first, but it's been said a lot. I really believe this. One of the best gifts we can give our kids is a stable marriage because that creates a stable yep. home. And that's mm-hmm. a really big deal. Right? Yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks, you guys. Thanks, Brian. This was fun. really, really fun. You guys shared uh, just an absolute ton of wisdom today. So uh, thanks. thanks for being on the show. Thank and just thanks for, for having us. all you do at Bridgeway. And just the, I know you guys don't have it all together. None of us do. But oh. you're an example to a lot of people. So uh, really appreciate you guys very much. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lucian Hughes, and video director, Brennan Stewart, all of you for listening. We hope that uh, you found some encouragement and some just practical help in our conversation. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share this episode or for you to rate and review us on iTunes. Join us again in two weeks for the next episode of Engaging Culture. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.